0: Yeah, nah, the bloody Invasion Day rallies, they're just doing them to get Marxism gone. The Aboriginals just want a bloody whinge, but the commies get in there with their placards and make them turn all cultural Marxist, and it's just to make cunts ashamed of who they fucking are. What's wrong with it? What's wrong with being happy? What's wrong with just having one day? Why can't we just have one little one day? Just one fucking... The Marxists want to take over so they make them all get up and fucking rally. What's wrong with being happy for just one day? Just one fucking day, you fucking Marxists. They make you unhappy, next thing you know you got flooded with fucking immigrants. It's that fucking Agenda 21, Agenda bloody 26 more like,
1: just have a chop, what's wrong with fucking... Yeah, g'day everyone, I'm Tom Tanakey, welcome to episode 2 of The Pork and Feed the Birds. We got the
0: thing them, so them right we are taking to them wicked off lately, and the whole community I live greatly. Yeah, so,
1: forgive me. If the quality of the audio for this episode ain't perfect, I'm working on it. Also, I'm on the road at the moment, so just, just fucking forgive me, yeah? But I drove up through the south coast of New South Wales, and it was just five hours of grim, miserable hell. Couldn't see a K or two past you. Just unbelievable. Half the nation went up in flames, and we lost up to an estimated one billion animals, some people say. Even as real life is making a joke out of this whole climate denialist line, everyone's too devastated and grief-stricken to even say, I told you so, because they keep it up. But I think they're growing shriller because they know that this kind of lucrative conspiracy theory grift is going to have to go up in flames. So in this context, it's really fucking important we continue to attend and amplify the climate rallies, which began last week, all around Australia, even in the rain in Melbourne, we had tens of thousands all up across the states, get out there. And they have to continue to grow. And momentum needs to continue building. We need to be there for it. It's also so important that we amplify and prioritise the only true land management this continent has ever seen which was undertaken by the land's traditional owners. To that end, and with January the 26th fast approaching, I spoke to Celeste Little, the author of the Black Feminist Ranter blog, coordinated with the Invasion Day rallies in Melbourne this year, and my mate, about what's coming up on January the 26th, 2020, and why you should take part now more than ever. G'day Celeste, thank you for coming on mate. Yeah,
0: how
2: you going mate? I'm yeah. okay here. <laughs> Yeah, good.
1: Are you breathing the smoke in? Are you enjoying the smoke?
2: Well, it's it's putting a nice, nice, um, fluffy lining on my lungs, I think is the best way to put it. It's just, I've been overseas for two weeks and coming back into it, um, has been rather interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you're coming back to smoke, uh, a world of smoke and to having to organize ahead of January 26, eh?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty okay. normal, business. yeah,
1: fun, hey. Yeah. So you know, so we're having a yarn in your capacity as, like a promoter slash organizer of Melbourne's Invasion Day rallies. Is that is that for about three years now? You've been doing that. Is that right? Um, oh, the first one that the first one that
2: I organised was two thousand and seventeen. Um, so this will be year number four. Yeah, number four. But um, I'm just part of the organising crew. This, well, I have been just part of the organising crew for the past um, couple of years. There's a big, amazing um, group of group of activists who get together, um, plot it all out, organise everything from the um, from the speakers to the marshalling to to the theme, to whatever, um, to the oh, I brought, to the welcome and ceremony part of that, and and collaborate and then put it all together. Whereas a, a few years back, um, I kind of got involved just because a lot of those people had been doing back to back organising of the um, stop the Force Closures rallies. Yeah. And and um, it, it pretty much. Exhausted themselves emotionally and spiritually, and um, and yeah, it was you know, it was kind of, I, I guess, for the rally to go on, it needed someone else to, to offer some assistance. So, yeah, so yeah, it's a, it's a collective of people. I'm definitely involved this year, I'm just um, catching up on all their. On on all the correspondence that happened while I was away at this moment, to be
1: honest, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, they're enormous things, aren't they? I mean, these you know, I've learned through sort of my association with yourself and being around people like uh, just what enormous exercises in planning rallies of this size are, because they've just blown up over the past few years. Hey, well, and you know, twenty seventeen
2: was also the year that we saw it jump um unexpectedly from yeah. from about an attendance of between say 5 to 7000 people um yeah. the previous year to 50000 so the numbers in the space of one year um kind of you know just exploded, and they've been growing ever since then. Um, Mm. I think that last year's was estimated by some to be at around 80,000 in Melbourne and, you know, 50,000 in Sydney, um, which is extraordinary for Sydney, you know, and across the country that ended up being over 200,000 people taking to the streets in various capital cities and regional centres to to protest. Um, process the invasion and say no to Australia Day and the the celebration of um, genocide.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've been told that the past few years is that has been this process of like shifting the overton window of discourse over to the right. Whereas like as you've said, since two thousand and seventeen, which we've watched these rallies that really represent like an reframing, at least for lots of white Australians or, you know, people that weren't previously activated. You know, that jump from five to fifty thousand means there's a lot of people who didn't understand before, who've clearly reframed their experience of you know what's supposed to happen on january the 26th you know uh, you know that's it's strange isn't
2: it well it, it is strange and I think that you know it's it was actually quite a tipping point um i'm not I'm not entirely sure why it happened that year my theory is that the activism that we saw on the ground um in the previous years particularly around forced closures but also around um issues such as death in custody and that Constant activism of groups such as Warriors of the Aboriginal Resistance, yeah, um, yeah, along with along with um, sympathetic sort of media coverage. So we were seeing opinion pieces by myself, but also a number of other Aboriginal writers um, who were more progressive in their thinking, which traditionally we've never seen really before. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to say. Um, the media picks and chooses its voices generally, um, That's true. but we've seen those two things combine. And um, 2017, at least in Melbourne, was the first year that we saw um, the the Invasion Day um, protest overtake the official numbers of the Australia Day um, parade, which was happening just down the street. Yeah. And you know, and it's it's been it's been kind of I don't know how else to put it, but the Invasion Day rally has become the number one event on that particular day um, pretty much across the country from that point onwards. It, yeah, it's,
1: it, it's become this like,
2: point where,
1: it's become like this was, focal point of activism as well, hey? Yeah,
2: yeah. And, you know, to the point of where the media can't actually ignore it, they've tried really, really hard to, to negatively report or downplay it for the past few years. Um, and they continue to try. We saw a we saw a fair bit of fallout from last year's rally, but generally speaking, that they're, they're at a point where rallies that they they kind of um were ignoring prior to that um are no longer something that they can ignore, and indeed they have to they have to give a lot of time too. And that's a that's a shift um that's come about, you know, from a real. I guess, from a lot of grassroots um sort of consciousness raising on these issues, but also from from various sorts of figures that are able to amplify those messages in different ways.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, it just sometimes it feels like it's the the kind of the rally, even though it grows, it's beset from all sides. You've got the media who seem to, you know, certain parts of the media seem to do their best to downsize the actual rallies. And then, you know, I recall last year as well that the police were doing their best to do things like confiscate megaphones and such. Do you recall that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um they wouldn't let they wouldn't let a soundtrack come through to the um to the intersection of um Flinders and Swanston for the closing sort of oh, what they call closing speeches and for the, the ceremony at the end of the rally, um which, you know, they said was for public safety reasons. Um they claimed that it was it was in light of um the sorts of laws that have been in place since um the the Burke Street Massacre. So Gargasol is going mad with his car has meant yeah. that they block off that sort of area. But but what they actually did was leave, what, eighty thousand people sitting in the streets of Melbourne at risk um because all of a sudden we weren't able to actively communicate with them. And so so we were back to using megaphones to try and to try and um, talk to a crowd of people, and
1: yeah, yeah, it, yeah. And surely, just, if, surely, if what you want is coordination, then like you won't leave that amount of people without any coordination. Hey.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, and I, I think the other thing with the police, um, I didn't, I didn't speak to them personally last year, but I do know from the year before that. Um, that when they decided to ring through and give me a briefing on what they'd planned for the day and try and get an estimate on the numbers, which we're never able to estimate. So, so you know, it's it's always interesting. Um, they said, uh, what do they call that? Um, they'd have the they'd have the regular police there as well as special um ops.
1: Oh, port. You mean the public order response team?
2: That lot. So, the eat
1: a dick so hippie crew. I,
2: and they said that that was a normal part of what um, what is dispatched to um, to rallies in Melbourne nowadays. And someone who spends an awful lot of time rallying because she's involved in the union movement and, oh, I don't know, the feminist movement and gets out there to various sorts of speak-outs that we have, I know that that's not the case. So no. I, I rarely see those... Um, As public order response team people at union rallies. um, Totally, yeah, yeah. The only, yeah, the only rallies that I really see them involved in and see them standing there looking intimidating um, at is anything to do with asylum seeker rights or Indigenous rights.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, it's almost like a a mischaracterization of the rally by having them there, hey. Because you know, even yes. though no, you know, it's not like people start breaking windows, you know. I mean, uh, heaven forbid that they would, <laughs> but it's not. It, it it's not like that happens. But yet, the visual sight in the media of having these fucking riot cops standing all around a rally, you know, it provides. It it, it mischaracterizes the rally in its entirety. Hey?
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and it's, you know, common sense and state that it's not in the interest of um, a group the size of, say, 80,000 people to cause a great amount of havoc. They don't, you know, there's there's going to be all sorts of hurt and damage and injury and whatever else, so a crowd that large is actually generally pretty well-paid. Yeah,
1: absolutely. They're
2: looking out for each other, they're passing bottles of water around, and to have that sort of um, police response to it, that sort of level of state control um, exhibited is is quite um, aggressive and yeah. and pretty revolting, but also pretty symbolic because I guess you know when we do come together on Invasion Day, we are actively protesting the state and the imposition of the state on a group of. Um, people who never consented to it and um with their presence there they're kind of reinforcing it um yeah
1: absolutely they're they're showing it's a symbolic show of the state in opposition to people questioning or rejecting the role of the state here yeah in that sense if you yeah it it makes sense eh? yeah 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 and
2: I think the other thing that you brought up, too, mate, was um, the, the numbers. So the media and the downplaying of the numbers, yeah. and that's been a really interesting one. Um, you know, last year I think the best coverage that we saw was was from, um, and I don't mean to plug any media organisation because they have my issues with all of them. Me too, mate. <laughs> mate. <laughs> But um, but I think the best coverage that we saw, particularly of the Melbourne rally, was from the Guardian, and it was because it was coming from a reporter on the ground who was who was witnessing it and who who had actively heard the speeches and seen the people talking that um that were actively demonised and scapegoated in other um, media sources, and that's another issue. But but that report was the one that I saw actually report the numbers. Um, I remember a couple of years ago there was a, I think it was a um, report from, or maybe ABC or one of them anyway, that said that there was 150 people gathered at um, at Parliament at uh, the beginning. I mean, sorry, at Parliament for the speeches and
1: 150. You know,
2: 150, and that was the year that we actually um, were estimated to be 50,000.
0: <laughs>
2: so, you know, it's it's actually absurd, and they'll use numbers like, oh, hundreds of people when they're talking about tens of thousands, and they've done everything they can to downplay the growth yeah. of these rallies, um, and and I guess... um. Their purpose of doing that is probably to to downplay the pushback against the status quo opinion of what Australia Day is and yeah. and what what it is that these rich media organisations that um or you know indeed government owned media organisations are trying to trying to um reinforce with with that particular day um
1: yeah you know, that's it hey? and there's this like there's also this um you know. It's been so long for which I've seen the media um, characterise rallies and protesters at rallies, as sort of filthy Marxist rabble who are deeply un-Australian because they're such agitators, you know. And I, I, I yeah. think they've got a vested stake in continuing to propagate that. So as you start to see Australia... You know, or, or the, I guess the, the political weight of Australia change and participatory democracy, or like rallies get more and more popular. I wonder if they're like so late into the game of sort of going, oh no, the only people that rally are deeply un Australian, bloody filthy, commie, lefty rabble, that they've got to keep that, you know, they've got to keep playing that tune, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it It was definitely, you know, it was definitely what I was seeing playing out. It was kind of like they, they didn't want to catch her. Um, they weren't willing to reframe their focus. What they're trying to push to actually to actually um, encompass what was a what was a shifting sort of public consciousness, public opinion. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, right. You
2: know, to the point of where. Um, Last year they they engaged in what was some really despicable sort of tactics. So so one of our youngest speakers, Tarine, was actively demonized by the media because they they said a simple line, um, that was fuck Australia, burn it to the ground. Yeah. And and they were talking, you know, metaphorically speaking, they were talking about the state, they were talking about um the erasure of, of um, culture and all of that. I'm trying to remember the entire sort of speech that Tarnine actually gave.
1: But I recall, but contextually took- it was talking about the construct of Australia, and if anyone needs to yes. be told that an Indigenous activist doesn't want to actually see the entire continent raised to the ground, then they clearly <laughs> haven't been doing enough um, thinking about the matter, hey?
2: Well, yeah, exactly, exactly, and I, you know, Tarnin was left having to explain to a bunch of allegedly white educated people what a metaphor was, <laughs> um, which is, which is just absurd. But it, it also, um, it was also about them trying to, trying to use. Um, what was what was a young activist who was up there uh, up there talking in order to still try and um, try and dismiss the message of eighty thousand people on the streets um, in order to reinforce their status quo and you oh I I just um. Yeah, the, the disgustingness of that and the pettiness of that, it's kind of why I ended up being so thankful of that one media report that was actually on the ground, accurately um, reported the speeches and the numbers and talked about the spirit of the people who were there. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. In, including people from who a lot of um, international visitors go to the Australia Day Parade to see what goes on and, because they think it's what we do on on that particular day of the year, and totally, when they've yeah. seen the, when they've seen the rally go through, they' sort of stopped and thought, and we see those people sometimes join us in the rally. Um, it's nice, you know, isn't they, it? I've seen that
1: too, yeah,
2: <laughs> it's a pretty wonderful thing to see, but it also says, you know, that there is communication and education going on, and there's there's a deliberate campaign to try and ignore that. um that shift in, in knowledge and
1: in consciousness. Which... Yeah. Speaking of explaining things to people, invariably white ones, look, mate, it's not, I, I don't necessarily think it's just your job to do this. I really, really don't. You've probably done it fucking 80,000 times over the fucking years, and I really think it's everyone's job together, including mine. But while we're here, I mean, what would you tell people, say my more apathetic white brethren and sistren, you know the ones who've got no fucking idea about the importance of acknowledging Invasion Day, rather than like having lamb chops on Australia Day barbecues.
2: <laughs> oh, and have you been waiting for those poxy bloody ads to come out? Because I haven't seen them. Yet, I wonder
1: if they're gun shy about them. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, I think you know I have to wonder if they've bagged out so many of them now that they've just given up. Um, yeah. But, but. I think that, well, the one thing that I really want to say is that this year in particular, um, 2020, is is an extremely important year as far as the Invasion Day rallies go. Um, for those that don't know, um, 2020 marks 250 years since Captain Cook landed on the shore and claimed this continent for the Empire. Um so he through that act he he um he claimed it as land belonging to no one because he obviously did not understand Aboriginal ways of belonging or or of ownership or whatever else when it came to land. Um and effectively Claimed, uh, you know, a, a con- oh, sorry, a landmass that was on the opposite side of the world for a, for another country, in order for them to start setting up their colonies and sending some of the, well, some of the most disenfranchised people from from the UK over to here to to be imprisoned and to hard labor and um, you know, it goes from there. But yeah. 2020 marks 250 years since that claiming of land. Mm. So it's since 250 years since the myth of terra Nullius started, um, started being enacted. Yeah. And, and uh, trying to change that message even today um, is very, very hard. I mean, mm. people still very much seem to think that history for this country begins at well, first it's 1770 with with Cook and then it's 1788 with the um, first league. And
1: Yeah, people yeah, say things we, like we're a young country and things like
2: that. Yeah, yeah. You know, even the poxy anthem, which nobody knows the words to, says <laughs> young and free and that's yeah. in the first words um, yeah. or first lines rather. And so this entire... Um, several millennia's worth of history has just been erased. Um, a, a whole bunch of knowledge has just been erased. Um,
1: yeah.
2: You know, we've been, the bushfires in particular um, have been getting a lot of traction now and it's been really, really interesting to see um, the rapid right try and talk about... Um, Try and talk about burning and clearings and indigenous ways of knowing land, as if they've ever cared about it. Um, totally. It's a way of trying to yeah, it's a way of trying to stymie the green.
0: I heard they fired fucking energy beams on the bush to get the bush on fire. But on the grand fucking lefties started it. Yeah. They went out with lighters and fuel to start the bushfires to prove that fucking climate theories and the government were up above. I seen them in the clouds, smashing down big fuck off lasers on the bush. Death from above, death by fucking Marxist climate war. The government just want a big railway from Melbourne to Sydney, but they're burning all the fucking bushes just to be safe, all of the kids, It's that fucking Greta fucking Funberg. That fucking little Marxist Sheila, she's told the fucking lefties to start the fires. I've seen it on YouTube. She's got the government smashing lasers on trees from big fucking black helicopters to start railways just to prove the fucking climate theories. Nah, it's all just fucking theories. I heard the fires didn't even fucking happen. It's not even that bad. It's just the same It's fucking railways. It's greater and fucking lighter. It's directed fucking energy space lasers from Air
1: Yeah, you've got right wing sources suddenly almost trying to grasp the, the 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 framework, you know, or at least one element of the holistic framework of indigenous land management. It's a it's a strange time we
2: it is just bizarre. It's just bizarre. But I mean these are knowledges that they've been ignoring for two hundred and fifty years. Um, languages that have been ignored for for that long, that that several groups around the country are not just um trying to reclaim, but actually reconstruct, um, because because there are so many assimilation policies and so many sort of cults and and massacres and whatever else that that a lot of languages are down to a few records and um an oral and oral history of certain descendants and those people getting together in order to share that knowledge and build it back up again I mean yeah you know to, it, it's a it's an important anniversary and I think that um, marking that specific anniversary, you know, stating that 250 years of blissful ignorance um, isn't going to make us go away is is pretty important. But but there's still, you know, because of that ignorance, and because of that um, that imposition of, yeah. of of what was a foreign regime onto a landmass that never a, a landmass and and peoples that never ever consented to it um, for, for this long means that, you know, some of the things that the rally this year, particularly in Melbourne, are going to be um, examining are things like um, children still being removed from families and communities, yep. um, the incarceration rates and the discriminatory policing uh, We were just talking about the policing of the rallies, but the discriminatory policing that we see all across the country when it comes to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, Mm. um, the fact that we're having to still protect knowledges like our languages, like our sacred sites, like our rock paintings and that um, we're still having to stop mining operations, um, destroying things like rock art. Um, Yeah, there's still... So many things that we're fighting for, and but it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, you know that to celebrate this 250 years, so i have got a government that's doing a, a circumnavigation to reenact Cook's um, voyage of Australia, and. He never actually undertook a second navigation of Australia. He didn't.
1: No, it's not even so, a recreation of the voyage. I think it's very telling because it's like you know, it's it's telling of the whole sort of revisionist his, history of of Australia. Let's let's pretend he went all the way around because that's more patriotic. I, I, yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it?
2: Not only do they not know our history um, prior to and then post colonization, but they've got no idea of their home. It's just really bizarre.
1: That's right, actually
2: bizarre, but
1: yeah. Yeah, I'd like I'd like it part, as part of the celebrations of Cook, which has spent, I think upwards of fifty million dollars on. I'd like to I'd like someone to acknowledge his history of um, uh, uh, sailing up and down places like Tahiti and through Polynesia and what have you. You know raping children and what have you along with his whole boat yeah. I And mean, i i I continue to tell people about that and they continue to act as though it doesn't it didn't happen even though it's recorded in numerous people's diaries
2: yeah that that somewhat awkward pedophilia and and sexual assault that he engaged in, and then the fact that his death ultimately came about because he tried to kidnap someone you know it's, yes <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, because oh, he overstudies okay. welcome. He overstayed his welcome because he wanted to come back after his ship was there he had problems with his ship and he thought, oh, we'll come back and we'll try and um we'll try and have sex with all of the locals and take all their stuff again. And they got sick of it in Hawaii. Good on them, mate. Hey?
0: Yeah.
1: Mate, um yeah, I, yeah. I regarding bushfires and and I guess like um uh, land management and what have you, I'm sort of I'm like conflicted because I think on one hand it does, that aspect lends a real-life immediacy to to prioritising, talking about this and, you know, like the extractive nature of colonialism on January 26th, you know. But I also, um, I also kind of think that if you take someone's stuff from them and you break it, then you should probably fix it um, before yeah, you return okay. it. So I, I guess my question is, Do you think that the bushfire crisis has an impact in any way on the urgency of the message of the Invasion Day rally?
2: Look, I reckon it does. I reckon it does, Um, and and more than anything else, it goes back to what I was saying. Um, You can't ignore two hundred. Sorry, you can't ignore several millennia's worth of history, knowledge, um, ways of working this land. you, you can't do that and you can't also contribute to the destruction of land and the destruction of people um, without yeah. there being some sort of inevitable consequence. So so there has been, um, through, through this process of settlement or invasion or whatever else um, white people choose to call it on any given day, there has been a depredation, there has been an ignorance and there has been... That we're now seeing those sorts of consequences, and yeah, really, I mean, when when you've got, um, so I see, oh, I know that us lot were taught about things like, um, chlorofluorocarbons and the greenhouse um, effect. Mm. The knowledge that the younger people have now, they seem significantly more sophisticated than what we were being said when yeah. we were growing up, um, and and really. Looking to the solutions about, um, sorry, looking to looking to people who've had this knowledge for a long time about how to regenerate this land so that so that it is actually sustainable and not just destructive. Um,
1: yeah.
2: In the face of what is a climate catastrophe all across the world is is pretty damn important. So I mean, important. There's I mean. gotta there's gotta be a point of learning, but there's no point engaging with that knowledge just to take what you want and start off again. It's gotta be um it's gotta be a recognition of um, of sovereignty and you know, negotiation and plan use. I see that these knowledges cannot really be in um, Shared in and in part, and then so on and so forth, without there being an actual agreement between the colonising forces and the first peoples of this country, because because there needs to be a working together in order to undo the damage.
1: Yeah. So let's look. I oh, I have a couple of questions for you, mate. Yeah, just to, to close up, um, just around sort of what I want to do um, when when I get to the rally on January twenty sixth. Now Celeste, I'm a white artist, okay? So I, I want yeah. to come to the Invasion Day. You know, my plan is to come to the Invasion Day rally naked and and covered in an upside-down <laughs> Australian flag in body paint. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna paint white tears down my face uh, over that, okay? And and I want to stand yeah, in front man. of the speakers and do like a morning interpretive dance right in front of yeah. the speakers. A sort of a ceremony to show everyone how much of like a good white ally I am. Um, is that okay? <laughs> and you're not re- you're not referring
2: to any specific events that we may or may not have seen in Sydney a couple of years
0: ago. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Are you saying that I'm ripping <laughs> off someone else's creativity, mate?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, we all know that in the arts inspiration
1: Yeah, that's right. Death of the author. Uh, yeah. Oh
2: geez, but but yeah, no, is that appropriate? I'd say not, no. Oh. <laughs> the message I'm really sorry, but the message on the day is actually to listen to the the sovereign people and to hear their message and to then go forth with that message and and enact it. Um, to to use it to educate others. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. In,
2: interpretive dance has place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but probably just, not on that day. Just <laughs>
0: not on January Probably 26. not on that day.
2: Probably, probably sit there and watch the Aboriginal dance and then stand on their own land.
1: You're not standing in front of them. Okay, <laughs> then, cool. Well, yeah. One more thing. How about this, Celeste? I, I'm, a, I'm a commie, right? And I'd like to... Um, I'd like to come and sell heaps of commie papers at the rally. And so, you know, I was sort of thinking to myself, I might come along and ask everyone if they're interested in revolution and then quickly sort of segue into selling them my paper because I want to make some, you know, some money for my small communist organisation. Is that is that cool?
2: Well, again, I'd say that... <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm trying not to laugh because this is, this is you know, obviously has happened a number of times over the years, and and obviously the message that I'd get across on the day is that that the message that the entire day is based around listening to the first peoples of this land and their their ongoing struggle um, on on the day of of um, the landing of the first fleet, their ongoing struggle against um, the process of colonisation. To come and sell a um, a paper containing a message, other you know that that isn't oh sorry that avoids actually listening to what the people on the stage are saying or what the people who are getting the rally together are saying is in effect another um, another show of colonisation. It, it becomes about that, that message being more important than what yeah. is being given. Um, Given by the people who are organizing this um and showing this resistance against against the ongoing process of colonization. So to that I'd say the solidarity is incredibly welcomed. We're incredibly thankful for it, but be mindful that, um be mindful that there needs to be one day where <laughs> One day a year at least, if not for the rest of the year, where the message of the sovereign people of this, of this land, the sovereign peoples rather, because we do have many nations across this one great big land that um, needs to be centred and this should be the day that it is, not the messages of other organisations.
1: Well, Celeste, you've convinced me to put the lamb chops away. You've convinced me to put the body paint away. And you convinced me to put the commie papers away and come along and show solidarity. Thank you so much. And I, 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 I'll see you on January the 26th at the Invasion Day rally. Like I hope everyone else as well will as well. Thank you so much, Celeste.
2: Pleasure. Always.
1: Cheers, Thank you to Celeste Little for that interview. Um, you can hit Celeste up on Twitter or Facebook, look up Black Feminist Ranter or Celeste Little on Twitter. Um, You can also check out, she regularly writes for Eureka Street and it's always fucking amazing. So go check that out. All these grifters and coal lobbyists and such, they want you to stay inside. They want you to make a donation. Shit, I want you to too, but they want you to make a donation and then shut the fuck up. They want you to not question the government's role in creating and maintaining the circumstances that have led to these fires and will continue to do so in years to come. They want you to wait until next year for the same fucking thing to happen, only worse. They want you to accept that the Australian government pays twice as much to subsidise a fucking coal mine, or even more, as for a bushfire relief package. They want you to forget that coal is contributing to the root problem. I want you to ignore that they enable these fires through industry and extraction. But here it is simply, and I said it at the start, it is hotter and drier, my friends. It can't get any simpler than that. It's hotter and drier. We've made it so. We have allowed it to be so. And we can't stop it without prying the coal and such out of the hands of this fundamentally extractivist government. We have to force their hand to do the very opposite of that which they exist to do. And that requires a large-scale mass movement. And those things start out with you joining efforts like actions and rallies. So build it with us. Let's get into the first gig guide. I said in the first episode that we'd be doing a gig guide regularly of the fortnight's upcoming rallies and such actions that you should be part of if you can. Let's take it away. Hey, welcome to the Rally Good Guide. First up, we've got Invasion Day rallies in Melbourne on the 26th of January, of course, all Invasion Day rallies are on the 26th of January. We have the big Invasion Day dawn service at 5.30 a.m. Crack of dawn at King's Domain. Then we have the big mega rally at Parliament of Victoria. We spoke just less little about that before. Check the war page for more details. In Sydney, it's at 10 a.m. in Hyde Park. Get on down. Brisbane, Queen's Gardens, 10 a.m. Don't be a flog. Perth, Forest Chase at 12.30 p.m. Hobart, 198 Elizabeth Street at 11 a.m. Plenty of others. Fuck you. Get on down. Plenty of other cities too. Check my Facebook page or my website for updated Invasion Day rally locations. The uni students for climate justice rallies in light of the bushfires and climate change continue. Next nationwide protests are in Melbourne at the State of Library on 2pm on the 18th of January. Fuck you, get on down. Sydney, 15th of January, 6pm, Circular Quay. See you there or you're dead. Canberra, 17th of January, 5:30pm, Garima Place. Brisbane, 17th of January, 5:30pm, King George's Square, don't be an asshole. Perth, 18th of January, 5:30pm, Forest Place. Adelaide, 17th of January, 5pm at Mall's Balls. Don't know what the fuck Mall's Balls is, but I assume they know in Adelaide, and you do you, boo! On the 17th of January, that's a Friday, our friends at Cafe Gummo in Thornbury, Melbourne, are holding a benefit for the West Papuan political prisoners. Go and have a beer, you dog. Go and have a beer for something useful for once in your fucking life, you dog. Also, on Friday the 17th of January in Sydney, we have a Murdoch News Corp Lion protest. It's at 2pm at 2 Holt Street in Surrey Hills, right outside News Corp. Apparently, people are lying down or something, but I guess there'll also be speakers and it'll be great. Go lie down, or even not, if you hate lying down, just fucking go, you dog. That's it, all of you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Pork and Feed the Birds. Hey, please, if you have rallies I don't know about for the next gig guide, if you have anything I don't know about that I need to know about, or even if you just want to share your thoughts with me, then send something through to me. Hit me up on Tom Panicky on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Talk to me. Tell me things. Share things with me. I am not the hive mind, we are. Can't you see? Also, guys, seriously, if you value the work I do, then please, please chuck me a clam or two on Patreon. I beg of you. I am on my knees trying to take your pant. No, I'm not. I'm begging you. Patreon.com slash Your clams will help me become a bigger pest than ever before given that my style of being a pest currently is aiming around building collective movements or being a hub for them, we'll
0: all win. Give me a clam. Thank yous all. Getting fucking Marxists to rally with the bloody aboriginals for a new train station. They're getting the aboriginals to fire space lasers on the bush to get agenda 21 going so we could have a new railway line. The bushfires aren't even fucking real, mate. It's fucking Aboriginal space lasers. It's Marxist theories about train stations to get agenda 21 in. The Aboriginals are in fucking space with train stations and lighters and lasers. Fucking, it's Aboriginal Marxist Greta Thunberg, laser fucking train agenda 26.